0: Thank you so much for tuning in to the Assembly of Perry, Georgia podcast. Let's join Pastor Tim McLaughlin for the message. So you can go to Psalm chapter 10, but I'm going to read Psalm 125, 1 and 2, which has been our our kickoff scripture. So you can just uh, go to Psalm chapter 10 if you want. But uh, Miss Julie's going to put Psalm 125 verses 1 and 2 up on the screen. It says, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion which cannot be moved, but abides forever as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forever. And we've been declaring this every week for the last couple of weeks, that, that we, the, we are in the Lord and we can't be moved. You need to understand that. God, God's got his hand on you, God's got a plan for you, and you cannot be moved if you're in him. Uh, I was watching a sermon today by Andrew Womack, and listen, faith is one of those things, we're talking about faith on Thursday nights, but uh, faith is one of those things, listen, it's not something you try, it's just something you do. And when you're doing faith, and you're walking in faith, and you're believing God, nothing that goes on can rock you because you know that your God is greater. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you again for the opportunity to be in your house. Thank you for the Word of God that is rich, is powerful. Lord, I thank you for every promise in your Word. It's yes and amen. It mean, so be it. The promises of God are so be it for each and every one of us. Let us grasp a hold of those promises. Let us live according to the Word. Let us walk by faith, not by sight. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive what the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to us tonight. Father, we just uh, we, we surrender all to you tonight. I ask you that you'd speak through me. I ask you that you'd speak to me. And Lord, I just pray for, for a greater revelation tonight of your word. And Father, we give you the praise for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for honoring the word of God. Did everybody get a worksheet tonight? Anybody need a worksheet? If you need a worksheet, I'll get somebody to bring you one. Everybody got one? Nope. Got a couple up here, Brother Wade. They, they need a couple you got some of these they're back there in that stand oh no I'm sorry alright Psalm chapter 10 Psalm chapter 10 I'm going to read this whole thing so is everybody there Psalm 10 alright let's read the whole Psalm it's not very long it says, why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide in times of trouble? The wicked in his pride persecutes the poor. Let them be caught in the plots which they have devised. For the wicked boast of his heart's desire. He blesses the greedy and renounces the Lord. The wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. His ways are always prospering. Your judgments are far above out of his sight. As for all his enemies, he snares at them. He has said in his heart, I shall not be moved. I shall never be in adversity. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue is trouble and iniquity. He sits in the lurking places of the villages. In the secret places, he murders the innocent. His eyes are secretly fixed on the helpless. He lies in wait secretly as a lion in his den. He lies in wait to catch the poor. He catches the poor when he draws him into his net. So he crouches, he lies low, that the helpless may fall by his strength. He has said in his heart, God has forgotten. He hides his face. He will never see. Arise, O Lord. O God, lift up your hand. Do not forget the humble. Why did the wicked renounce God? He has said in his heart, you will not require an account, but you have seen, for you observe trouble and grief to repay it by your hand. The helpless commits himself to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and the evil man. Seek out his wickedness until you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations have perished out of his hand, out of of his land. Lord, you have heard the desires of the humble. You will prepare their heart. You will cause their ear to hear, to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed. The man of the earth may oppress no more. That's kind of like one of those, you know, you're kind of getting a little depressed, and then he comes back and he starts talking about what he's going to do to the enemy, and then you're back down. And and so you begin to think about these things. We've been talking about the precepts of the Psalms. And uh, I spent three weeks teaching on Psalm 23. Uh, I'm just going to spend one night on Psalm 10. In Jesus' name, we declare that right now. But but as I read through this psalm, there's so many things. And so the title of, of my message is a cry from the heart. It's a cry from the heart. One of the things I like about the psalms is, is that they're they're so honest. The people that are writing the psalms are just so honest. Um, many of them are songwriters. Some of them would be considered poets. Um, some of them are just, you know, eloquent writers. I think sometimes when we think of poetry, we always think that, you know, it has to rhyme and stuff. But understand again, and I've said this so many times, that we're reading this in a translation to the English language. But when it was written, it was probably written in Hebrew or Aramaic, and so when we read it, it doesn't maybe doesn't have the flow to us. the The, the translators are trying to put it in a way that it it has a flow. But maybe it's not the way that they had written it back in the time uh, that it was it was penned. Um, but but these poets of old, these these songwriters of old, they had no qualms about questioning God, and had little patience with powerful people who persecuted the poor. Um, you know, you, you think about where we're at today and the things that are going on in our nation and around our world. Uh, I don't know about you, but you know, when things go wrong and a lot of times, even when things go right, uh, which is not as often, I'm one of those that want to know why. Anybody like that? I mean, just, I had a guy tell me one time, he said, he said, don't ask the why, just ask God what he wants you to get out of it. I'm like, well, brother, that's easy to say, but I want to know the why. When bad things are happening, why are bad things happening? When good things are happening, why did why did that happen? Then is that is there something I should continue to do that was good, so I don't ever have to have the bad again? I'm just being honest. Maybe that's not you, but I'm always looking, man. When when we've been blessed in times when our ministry's been blessed, I sit back and I reflect. Okay, what was I doing? Maybe I prayed more. Maybe did I fast a little bit more? Maybe you know, did I? What did I do good? so the good came from it what good seed did I sow so that I'm reaping a good harvest and then when bad things happen I start questioning why did that happen what bad things did I do what things maybe I wasn't as focused I should, and I'm just always questioning why questioning God and questioning myself why did that happen what did I do or not do, do to cause it to take place now psalm chapter 10 is one of those psalms that's uh uh, it's anonymous. It's undated. We don't know who wrote it. We don't know when. We know that it was one of the psalms that uh, King Hezekiah had found. And so, so it's attributed to the time of King Hezekiah, but it was written many years before Hezekiah, and we just don't know who the author was, so it was one of those uh, anonymous psalms. But it's a, it's, a, it's a prayer of why. Psalm 10 has been attributed as the prayer of why. Uh, this prayer gives us a three-fold process that we're going to talk about tonight for dealing with our own questions and our own problems. It, it has a three-fold process about the why. When life throws you for a loop, why? So you've only got three fill in the blanks, but you've got a back side of that paper that's blank that you can write all kinds of notes because if you think it's going to be that short and simple, <laughs> you haven't been around here long. All right. So, number one, number one on your blank, declare the question. Declare the question. All right? Verse number one, he says, Why? Why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide in times of trouble? Right off the bat, the psalmist, whoever's writing this, is declaring the question. He's wanting to know why. Maybe you asked yourself, God, I know that you are all powerful, and and you you, you want to be personal, you want to be close to us, but why can't I sense your presence right now? Has anybody, and you don't have to raise your hand, okay? I know I have. You've prayed those prayers, and you're like, man, are they even making it past the ceiling? Now, again, I've said this before, but it's, I think sometimes, a lot of times, number one, let me say this, God is always near. I love that song Miss Julie picked out. God is always there. God always hears us. He's, he's all. But I think many, many times, much like when Peter got out of the boat, the Lord said, go ahead, come. Boy, and Peter got a little, you know, that's right, I'll step out of the boat. And he was looking at Jesus. And then all of a sudden, he looked at the waves and he sank. And what did he do? He cried out to the Lord, why? Right? And then God reached over and picked up his hand. And then Peter walked back into the boat. So twice Peter walked on water. But we want to focus on the fact that he sunk. But how many of us have been in that same position because we get our eyes off? God is always listening. But sometimes he's wanting to see what are we going to do. Are we going to pay attention and wait on him? Because the Bible says they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They that wait on the Lord. I think our problem is impatience. We'll pray and we think we're pulling a slot machine and we want to know right now, did we win or lose instead of waiting? It's not that God hasn't heard. Maybe the timing's not right. I, mean, I know there's been many a times where I've prayed for something, I've asked God to do something, I've asked God why something and I don't hear anything and I'm like, what's going on. And then it may be weeks, it may be months down the road. I mean, it could be a long time down the road. And then all of a sudden, something will happen. And, it's, and, it, and when, it, when it first happens, I'm just like, well, pray. And then all of a sudden, God will bring back to remembrance. Well, you ask. I'm like, yeah, but why didn't you answer that? And then all of a sudden, I begin to put the pieces together. If I would have given you this then, you wouldn't have been ready for it. Peter got out of the boat and he thought he had faith but Peter didn't have the kind of faith that Peter thought he had and therefore he sank. If I'd have given it to you then your faith wasn't where it is today. So I heard your prayer then but today's when you needed the answer. You thought you needed it back then but right now is when you need it. So the psalmist is declaring the question. He's asking, why Lord do you stand afar off? The psalmist is expressing his frustration at the remoteness of of the Almighty. You know, I, I think so many times when you read through the Psalms, I'm going to share a couple with you, and there, there's plenty, plenty more. But, you know, we, we see a lot of this that goes on with the psalmist, where they're, uh, they're, they're asking all these kinds of questions. So I'm going to go through a couple real quick. You can just write these down. Psalm 13.1. Psalm 13.1 says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? God's not hiding from you. God doesn't play hide and go seek. But sometimes, again, he's not not right there. You know, can you can you think about Mary and Martha? Lord, if you would have just been here. You know, we sing that song. You know, he's an on-time God. Well, we don't sing that song. I wish we sang that song. I love that song. You know, we've got to find some somebody that's got a little bit of Anyways, he's an on-time God. He was four days. They thought he was four days late, but he was right on time. And so when they're, when they're I can just imagine being in the household when they're preparing all the funeral plans and they're wrapping the body of Lazarus and they're getting ready to put Him in the tomb. And I bet Mary and Martha are sitting around going, How long, Jesus? Why are You hiding from us? Why aren't You here? This shouldn't be happening. Psalm 22.1 My God, my God, why have You forsaken me? We attribute this back to, to the psalmist, David, actually writing this. When Jesus was on the cross. And Jesus on the cross and the sin of mankind was placed upon Him. And as the Bible says that the sky grew dark. And when the sky grew dark, he, Jesus, God incarnate, knew at that point, my Father cannot look down upon my sin. So he, he covered the earth with darkness so He would not have to look. And Jesus cries out to Him and says, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Man, sometimes we're going through some things and we're just like, why? Why are you not right here rescuing me right now? Psalm 42 9. Psalm 42 9 says, I say to the God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go on mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Man, I'm, there's been times in my life I'm like, Lord, you know, do something with this guy. I mean, you, you've already said that you were, you know, Jesus bruised his head with, with his heel. So if his head's bruised, could you kick him again because he's bothering me? Why? One more Psalm 44, verse 23 and 24 says, Awake, O Lord, why do you sleep? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and our oppression? You ever had those days, man? You're going through something. I mean, there's been there's been times in my life where I've you know there's been things that have happened in this world, and I'm like, Lord, why, why did you allow that to happen? Why why didn't you step in? Why didn't you you could have stopped that? I I was listening. uh, I remember back. Years ago, uh, a good friend of mine up in Cookville, Tennessee, Pastor Bobby Davis, he preached a message. This is when digital signs were first started coming out at churches, and they were one of the first churches in town that had a digital sign. And the title of his sermon for, for that month or whatever was "God is not in Control." They put it up on the electric sign: "God is not in control." Boy, you should. have look at some of your all's eyes, and you got that. Some people, man, they were, he got attacked. People attacked him on Facebook. People, people. I mean, they, they. People were sending letters to the, uh, to the newspaper for the editorial column, and and you know all this stuff. You know because he, but none of them would listen to his sermon. I went. I went. Number one, I just like his teaching. But number two, I wanted to find out what, what all the hubbub was about. Right, and so. Uh, I'm, watching, I'm listening to his sermons and stuff, and he's talking about this. And don't you understand the truth? God's not in control. God gave us free will. If God was completely in control, you probably wouldn't be doing some of the things that you're doing. I got one amen. Thanks, Ms. Vicky, for being honest. The rest of us are like, oh, me. Right? I mean, if God was in complete control, would Eve have eaten of the tree? no if God was in complete control would he have needed for Noah to build an ark no if God was in complete control would the people of Sodom Gomorrah acted the way that they did no God is not in complete control one because man gave his lease over to the enemy but number two God gave us free will true love is free will and God loves us, so he gives us that. So God is not in complete control. So again, when tragedy strikes, when these things happen, we often, and even unbelievers, want to ask God why. And they start questioning God. But the reality is, we did this to ourselves more times than not. We've had things happen to our country. And we say, why, God, did you let that happen? You, know, you probably need to ask those that are in control that pick the fight. Why? Why would you open your mouth? Why would you do those things? You need to understand, God is not a far off. He's always close. But God also does not mind when you declare your question. You don't offend Him. God is big enough to handle our cries. Some of us have been rocked by some pretty tough stuff. Maybe, maybe somebody close to us died unexpectedly. Maybe somebody had to go through a, a, a tragic divorce. Maybe somebody dealt with some type of major sickness or bad diagnosis. And so you ask yourself, why? Why did God let it get this bad? But what do you do when you're faced with an avalanche of agony and you, and you feel like, is God really there or is He playing hide and go seek? Ask the question. Ask the question. I've said this so many times. I say it every year during fasting and praying. You know, fasting is not a diet. Fasting is not trying to prove to God how spiritual you are. Fasting fasting does not make God love you anymore. Fasting is for you, not for God. Fasting is for you to get more sensitive. But it's called fasting and So during the times that you would normally be eating, read your word. Pray. And the goal is that if you spend more time in your word and more time on your knees and more time in the presence of God as you're fasting, your body. Because how many of you know this? I'm not bragging because you're not supposed to, but this is like day 17, I think it is. You know, you get real sensitive to things. Smells. Like you know, there's things I can walk in the house that, you know, Miss Sheridan could be cooking or something like that. And sometimes I just walk and don't even pay much attention. Or maybe something gets thrown in the trash and I just, you know, you won't have any food for 17 days. And all of a sudden you walk in the house, you're like, what is that? I mean, you, you walk outside and your 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 senses. I was talking to uh, Pastor Tracy who was up here uh, a few days ago dropping off something that I, and, and some of you that are around me said, you know, I carry these little Listerine things in my, my pocket and Pastor Tracy came walking in and when he did I clicked one and I threw it in my mouth he said, dude what was that? I said it's a Listerine strip. He said why would you throw it in as soon as I walked in? I said brother I hadn't had food in 15 days you don't want to smell this. I'm just being honest with you. I mean so fasting and praying is for us But when we get to that place, when we're denying self, we're more sensitive with our ears as well. Not only our taste and our nose, but our ears are attuned to God. God, I think more times than not God is speaking, we're just not listening. And so fasting and prayer helps us to draw closer to him. Declare the question. God is listening. He wants to know what's going on. I, I like this. I read uh, Psalm ten one to you in the New King James. Let me read it to you in the New Living Translation. Uh, I think we got it up there. Do we have it? Psalm ten one in the New Living. It says, "Why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide in times of trouble?" We we often think, you know. Again, it's one of those when everything's going our way, when it's not all that bad. When we, you know, we don't ever think about. It. But when trouble strikes. We want an answer right now, right? Kind of like kids, you know, when, when little kids, um, you know, if it's not too bad and they're doing some things, I know our kids, like they'd push and shove each other. Or they'd do certain things that they knew they weren't supposed to. And as long as they didn't get caught, as long as nobody got hurt, as long as nothing got broken, they didn't want you to pay any attention. But as soon as somebody got hurt, or as soon as something got broken, all of a sudden they want your attention, and they want you to fix it now. Right? And so the psalmist says that. He said, Why do you hide in times of trouble? He's not hiding. See, the implication is that God will listen to everyone else but you. Job. Job chapter 13, verse 24. We we anybody here never read the book of Job? All right, because, I, I, you know, my wife hates when I, when preachers say, you all know the story because you may not know the story, but everybody in here has read the book of Job. So, Job, I mean, he goes through some pretty traumatic stuff. Look what he says, Job 13, 24. Why do you hide your face and regard me as your enemy? Now, if you go back, man, Job is offering sacrifices to God. Job is talking. I mean, he's even talk, he even argues with his friends when they come to visit, and they're not very much friends. I mean, if you read the book they're not really good i'd rather not have those type of friends and yet he's talking about how good god is how good god is god would never do this god would never do this. and all of a sudden now he gets to job 13 and i don't know how many days he's been sitting there with boils on his body and he's lost all of his kids and he's lost all of his animals and he's lost all this stuff and all of a sudden he just says why do you regard me as your enemy because you wouldn't treat your friend this way job's kind of getting to the end of his rope and he's crying out to God and he's declaring the question as children of God we have the opportunity for unloading our hidden turmoil where we have the opportunity to share our hearts with God listen can I just tell you this we don't need to dump on friends or dump on family God says come to me all you who are burdened and heavy laden come to me If you're wondering what's happening or why things are unfolding the way they are, declare your question to God. The the word question right there has the root word quest. Quest. If you're on a quest to understand something, if you're serious about seeking answers, then don't hesitate. I think the reason sometimes we don't declare the question is because we don't want to hear the answer. Yeah. So if you have questions, I want to encourage you. I, again, I, I keep a journal. I've told you that several, several times. I keep a journal. There's a man. You, somebody said I don't know who it was came up to me one time. And they said, they said, Pastor, we'd love for you to share your journal sometimes, or we'd like to. my my son wants my journals. I said when I'm dead. Because there's some stuff in there. Let, let me just tell you, I've declared the question. I'm one of those, like when I'm writing in my journal, I mean, it's like, you know, if I'm writing like a W, you know, for Y, capital letters, Y! Because I think God reads better than he hears. Maybe I don't know. (laughs) But I encourage you. Get you a journal and write some things down. Help get it out. Don't keep it bottled up. Don't use it to abuse others. Give it to God. Peter said, casting all your cares upon the Lord because the Lord cares for you. Write it down. So number one, describe your, uh, declare your question rather. Declare your question. Number two, describe your complaint. Describe your complaint. After declaring your question to God, the next step is to describe your complaint. Now this is funny. I'm going to have her put it up in just a second. How many of you ever read... Uh, the old comic, Calvin and Hobbes. I, I, man, I, the, the newspaper here, the Houston County Journal, whatever it's called, it, it doesn't have a good comic section. Our, the town we used to live in, man, every Saturday they had the best comic section. Um, but anyhow, so, so look at this. Uh, she's going to put this up here. This is an old comic strip. You put, I don't know if you can read it from. Oh, yeah, you can. Look at that. Praise God. So this is Calvin and Hobbes talking. He says, some people complain all the time. They complain about the least little thing. If something bugs them, they never let go of it. They just go on and on. Long after anyone else is interested, it's just complain, complain, complain. People who gripe all the time really drive me nuts. You'd think they'd change the subject after a while, but they never do. They just keep on griping until you start to wonder, what's wrong with this idiot? But they go on complaining and repeating what they've already said. Well, maybe they're not very self-aware. Boy, that's another thing that gets me on my nerves. <laughs> complain, complain. Listen, after declaring the question, the psalmist then goes on, he says, he says we, need to, we need to make a detailed list of our problems the way we see it. See, um, again, when we write these things down, and if you've got someone spiritual in your life, and again, you're not always dumping on your family, but if you, if you talk to a pastor or if you talk to someone that's spiritual, um, not, not a psychologist or, you know, I'm talking about someone that will, will, you know, I think I've shared this with you before. People used to call me in our ministry, and I have not done this here, so if any of you are thinking about it, I have not done it here, but I've done this in the past in 20 years of ministry. You know, people would call. Like, you know, you could tell them, tone of your voice, Pastor, I really need to talk. I'm like, all right, well, do you want me to give you some counsel, some advice, or are you just venting? I just need to vent. I'm like, all right, hang on just a second. And if I'm in my truck, I just put my phone down in the thing, hit speaker, and I just keep driving. If I'm sitting in my office, I get up, I shut the doors, make sure nobody else around, put them on speaker, turn the volume down, and I just let them go off. And when they're done, Pastor, are you still there? I'm here. Are you done? I'm done. Let me pray for you. And I just pray, and I hang up the phone. They didn't ask for my advice. I'm not going to give it to them. Sometimes, have you ever done this? And again, maybe this is just me. Have you ever, like, said something? Like, it's it's all inside here. And then all of a sudden, you get it out, and you say it to somebody, and then you're like, that was stupid, right? Right? Good, I'm glad you guys laughed because I'm thinking if I just do that. I mean, sometimes I'm like, it bothers me. And then all of a sudden I'll talk to to Ms. Sheridan about I'm like, you know, this just really bothers me. She looks at me. She's like, does it now. I'm like, that's pretty dumb, isn't it? (laughs) Right? But we had to get it out. And again, that's where journaling sometimes helps. And talking to people helps. So so you're describing, you're describing your complaint. So the psalmist does this. I'm I'm not going to read every one of these. But you've just got your Bibles open, right? Psalm chapter 10. Look, look at what he does. So we, we looked at verse 1. but look, Verse 2. His, his complaint is, the wicked in his pride. Let them be caught in the plots. Then he goes to verse 3. For the wicked boast of his heart's desire. He blesses the greedy and renounces the Lord. Verse 4. God is in none of his thoughts. Verse 5. His ways are always prospering. Now he's talking about the wicked right here, okay? Verse 5 says, Your judgments are far above all of his sight. Verse 6. He has said in his heart, I shall not be moved. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and oppression. Verse number seven. In the secret place he murders the innocent. Verse 9. He lies in wait to catch the poor. Verse 10. That the helpless may fall by his strength. Verse eleven, he has said in his heart, God has forgotten; he hides his face; he will never see. What's he doing? He's he's describing why he's so frustrated. Look what the enemy's doing, God! Don't you see this? I mean, I'm trying to be the good guy. I'm trying to fast and pray. I'm trying to do all the. I'm going to church all the time. I'm tithing. I'm doing my part. You see what he's doing? I can just imagine God sitting on his throne going, oh, yeah, I see it. There was a Calvin and Hobbes comic one time about what you're doing. (laughs) But listen, God, God, he's not moved by our complaints. He gets it, all right? Uh, As I I read this list, there's a lot of things that kind of come to mind. Like if if I had to sit down and make my list. To describe my, my complaint. I would, I would ask the Lord, and I, I have, I promise you, you can go back and read my journal. No, you can't. September 11th, 2001, when the terrorists uh, ambushed and, and, and crushed thousands of innocent people. I mean, I asked the Lord, I'm like, really? I mean, did all those people have to die? To get our government's attention? Really? I think about Katrina. I remember when Katrina hit uh, New Orleans and, and Mississippi, my wife and I, we went to Memphis and we spent like a week to 10 days down in Memphis uh, getting food and supplies down to those in along the Gulf because the government couldn't get people down there. They could not get... Uh, um, FEMA down there fast enough because all the trees and all the damage in the roads FEMA, FEMA says we can't get our semi trucks down there so we worked with a pastor out of Memphis and we had people coming in, in four wheel drive trucks and jeeps and we, we got a, a, a pass from both of the governors of Louisiana and Mississippi they, they gave us a pass and if anybody in that jeep pulled up and the highway patrol seen them they would wave them on and we were getting food and we were getting hygiene and we were getting stuff down there that, that FEMA couldn't do but yet 1,400 people died. Why didn't God stop that? Why didn't, you know, if, if God really, you know, you ever heard those things? 1,400 people died. And then here recently, I, I get to thinking about it. I'm like, you know, I, I know there's a, a, a rift and I understand the biblical implication behind that rift between Israel and Hamas. But did 364 people were just at a concert enjoying themselves have to die describe describe your complaint let god know what's going on why are these things happening the psalmist is crying out where's god at in all of this listen i know we're going through tough times i saw a thing I'm going to lighten the mood a little bit because it got a little heavy. Uh, I saw this thing the other day, and it, uh, I think it was this morning I was reading this, and it, it showed a picture of a shopping cart, and it said the most expensive vehicle to drive in 2023. Right? I mean, just think about all the things that's going on, and yet just declare the question What exactly is bothering us? Write it down. Ask the Lord you're not going to move him. He's God. So number one, we declare the question. Number two, we describe the complaint. And then number three, deepen your commitment to God. That's why we're fasting and praying. That's why we're, we're spending this time seeking the Lord, to deepen our commitment to God. I love the, the, the progress, the faith progress that takes place in this psalm. The hurting follower begins with two bold why questions and then begins to spell out his complaints in specific detail. And then by the time we get to verse number 12, we begin to see that as a result of being honest with God, his commitment to the Lord now goes to the, to the next level. Look at, look at verse 12. Psalm 10 verse 12 says, Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up your hand. Do not forget the humble. I mean, you can just automatically see that he's, he's, he's just he was enraged when he started this thing. And all of a sudden, as he went through and he's described his complaint, now, I don't know if he was journaling or if he had just somebody sitting in front of him that had to listen to his rant. But by the time he gets to, 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 the, to the 12th stanza, he begins to mellow a little bit. God, don't forget the humble. The psalmist remembers two things about God. First, he calls to mind God's personality. In verse 14, Psalm 10, 14, says, But you have seen, for you observe trouble and grief to repay it by your hand. The Bible says in the New Testament, he he tells us, he says, He says, don't avenge. It's not your place. Whose place is it to avenge? It's the Lord's. The psalmist understood that. It's your job to repay. I'm frustrated. I don't like this going on, but I know. I know. You're going to repay at your hand. The Almighty is not distant. He's not hiding. He is a personal God who knows our trouble, and He sees your tears. The phrase to repay at your hand refers to God's personal involvement and capacity to judge people according to what they've done. God is a helper to the fatherless. God takes special interest in those that are in need. Psalm chapter 34, I'm going to leave Psalm chapter 10 for a second. Psalm chapter 34, verses 15 and 16. The psalmist says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are open to the cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. This this is similar to the process that that Jeremiah went through. And if, if, if you understand, Jeremiah, the prophet, wrote, obviously, the book of Jeremiah, but he also wrote Lamentations. And when you think about his life and all that he went through, and if you've never read the book of Jeremiah, I will encourage you to sit down for a few days and read the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is a prophet called by God, and they did not treat Jeremiah very nice. I mean, it wasn't just name-calling and mocking. I mean, they, they treated this. They, they dropped him in a well. They, they tried to get... I mean, they just did some terrible, terrible things to Jeremiah. And Jeremiah sitting there and he's like, Lord, you've called me. You've told me to be your servant. You've told me to tell these people these words. Why are you letting this happen? And so he writes a book called Lamentations. Listen to this. Lamentations chapter 3, beginning in verse number 19. Lamentations 3, 19. Remember my affliction and roaming, the wormwood and the gall. My soul still remembers and sinks within me. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I mean, Jeremiah's writing this. He, he, what's he doing? He's, he's, he, is, he is stating his complaint. He's describing. He's, he's writing it all down. That's what the book of Lamentations. His, his, Jeremiah's telling his story. Lamentations, he's listing these things. He's writing it out to God. And then he comes back around. And he says, yeah, I've been through a lot. But great is your faithfulness. Jeremiah was down but determined to deepen his commitment to God. The other thing the psalmist does in Psalm 34, 16, it says the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Psalm 34, 16, the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. When we're stressed out by our why questions and we're swimming in a sea of concerns, we need to come back to God's perspective. God sees what I'm going through. He is Lord. He can choose to do something about it if it's in accord with with his purpose for your life. Remember, there are times where I've been through things. There's been times where I've been, why, 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 why? And I know God hears me. And then all of a sudden, it may be weeks, months, whatever down the road, and I get this revelation. And it all of a sudden becomes clear. If I'd have got that revelation back then, I wasn't ready for it. I remember when we first started our ministry up in Tennessee, and we started an old rented building with six beds, and I'm sitting there screaming to God, we need money, we need money, we need money. You go about four years later, and I got people handing me $10,000 checks, one right after the other, and I'm asking God, I'm like, yeah, this is great now, but what about then? And the Lord said, "You, you couldn't have handled it then. You would have never grown. You would have never pressed in. You would have never sought me the way that you've sought me to get you where you're at if I'd have made it that easy on you. You know, not everything in ministry, folks, is easy. I think people sometimes look at pastors like, boy, they got, let me just tell you. Pastors are leaving the ministry at an alarming rate. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine today. Pastors are leaving the ministry at an alarming rate right now. Bible schools are closing down right now because past people don't want to go into the ministry. Ministry is difficult. We don't got it all figured out. And I promise you this, there are other pastors that are in their prayer closet going, Why? Psalm 93 verse 1. The Lord reigns. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed. He has girded himself with strength. Surely the world is established so that it cannot be moved. We think, man, this thing's getting ready to explode. It's off of its circuit. It's it's we're going, we're it's gone crazy. God put it there. It ain't going anywhere. Sometimes I think that I'm sitting on a yo-yo. But God says, I've got it. You know, we don't often think of this, and I can't give you all the specifics. I'm not smart enough to give you all those specifics. But if you ever really think about how fast that the earth is going in order to keep us on it, gravity. If it ever sped up just the least little bit, it squishes. It sucks us right down into the ground. And if it ever slowed down just the least little bit, We'd fly off into orbit. And yet we think God don't have a clue what's going on. He's like, really? I got it. It's not going to move. Psalm 34, 17 says, The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The word hears means to give diligent attention. I like that. The righteous cry out and the Lord Gives diligent attention. I don't know how many people, 80 billion people on the earth right now. And there's, I don't know how many of us sitting in this room right now. And if we all came to this altar and we started praying right now, God will give diligent attention to each one of us. He's not going to sit there and say, Michael, hold hold, hold on, I'm listening to Chris. Hang Hang on a second. No, no, no. God says, I've got it. Go ahead. I've got all of you. I'm diligently listening. God is leaning His ear toward us, eagerly anticipating every word. Because He wants us. He, he's a, he is our Heavenly Father. He is never too busy for us. Whatever life tra- tragedy you're facing right now, you need to understand the personality and the power of God. One more verse, Psalm 34, 19. It says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Man, when you're in the middle of it, you don't feel like he's delivering. But man, when you get through and you realize how God kept you and protected you. So what promise do we have? Regardless of what you're going through, regardless of what's going on around you, we can always declare the question, describe our complaint, and deepen our commitment to God, knowing that He will deliver us from them all. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast from the Assembly at Perry, Georgia. God bless.